It's Thursday night, and of course that means it's time to talk sports. It's the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Coach Joe, the Chicago Bears have the first pick. They earned the first pick in the NFL draft, but no. They (laughs) traded it to the Carolina Panthers, who are now on the clock. Give us a call, 682-1430, if you have something you want to talk about, 682-1430. Or if you're technologically inclined, you can reach us at ozone at hallradio.net. That's ozone at hallradio.net. Coach Joe, no pick yet from the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, they, you know, I, I, we were hearing a rumor the other day that they had already made their decision on who they were going to pick and that uh, Will Levis had indicated to his family that they had contacted him and said that he was the first pick. But I'm not. it's so many rumors. I don't know if that's true or not. And if so, you know, why haven't they already picked him? Why is there? But w- I don't know uh, if they actually started exactly on time at 8 o'clock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I but, think that's probably. But, it uh, does say they're on the clock. It does say they're on the clock. So so they if, have, is it 15 minutes or 10 minutes They've now? shortened it to 10. It's, yeah. uh, 15 wasn't television friendly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they have to. They can make the pick in 10 minutes. Oh, they know. But they, they know. They, they traded with the Bears to get the number one pick. Uh, it, the quarterbacks are going to go early. Or most of the early picks will be for quarterbacks. We should be about five picks while we're on the air, so we'll be able to track how those are going. And uh, and maybe maybe one of them will be Anthony Richardson. You know, uh, I just saw a mock draft from Todd McShay, and he had Anthony Richardson going twenty to the Seahawks. The Seahawks have the fifth pick and the twentieth pick. He had him going defense with the first pick at the fifth in the fifth spot. And then Anthony falling all the way down to 20, which if he went to Seattle, that's a good place. He needs to go somewhere where they have a veteran quarterback where he can sit and watch and not be expected to go out there and start immediately. You know, Seattle has that extra pick. The number five pick is from Denver when they traded Russell Wilson to Denver. So yeah. <laughs> could end up, could it be like the, the net effect being trading Russell Wilson for Anthony Richardson? <laughs> you know, one of the neat <laughs> things about cool. the NFL is that, um, you know, we heard about tank for Tua and stuff like that, but you don't see that really in the NFL. You know, the Texans could have had the first pick. They, they, Lovey Smith was going to be fired. I think he'd already been fired. He goes for two and wins the game, so they don't get the first pick in their last game. And then Tom Dempsey's field goal, his 63 yarder, cost the Saints the first pick in the draft. And uh, it wouldn't have made much difference because I think it was between – they still probably would have chosen Archie Manning. He just would have been the first pick. Jim Plunkett would have been the other choice they had back then. Well, you know, when Brian Flores was first hired by the Dolphins a few years ago, it, it occurred at the same time they tore the team apart. And so the, his early days, they were losing and losing big, heading for the first overall pick. And then he started winning. And he sued, saying that they were telling him to lose, which which is an interesting thing. I think the Dolphins did a lot of things wrong back then, but I don't. They found him innocent of the tanking, tampering. <laughs> heck yeah, <laughs> tanking. No, they said they didn't do that. Speaking so, of that, they don't have a pick in the first round today. They basically spent their pick on Tyreek Hill and uh, Chubb. Uh, they got who they also traded. So they they made two big trades: one for offense, one for defense. For now, for veterans, as opposed to uh, a young player. We'll see how that works out for them. They don't pick till 51st. Uh, we might be on the air by then, but you know, the draft uh, by the time they get that far along. You mean next week? Next week, exactly. Yeah, they'll still be picking. 
<laughs> no, it's like, it's like the pitch clock, only it's longer. You know, they, they, this draft is tightly run, and we we should we should expect the first pick pretty soon, and then, uh, uh, like I said, I think there's going to be enough time for about five picks, which could get us that that fifth pick by Seattle. If they're not going to pick Richardson with the number five, you say they're going to go with uh, the Georgia uh, defender, Jalen Carter. Uh, yeah, that that was the speculation that they might go for. Okay, that'll be interesting. But uh, the Houston picks second, like we were, you were just mentioning, and they're, if they're going to get a quarterback, so whoever uh, Carolina doesn't pick, it's going to be Houston's pick. And a lot of people were saying Houston was going to pick Richardson, but it's interesting. Uh, C.J. Stroud about a week or two ago was the number one pick, and Levis was falling by the wayside. Yeah. Levis has moved up now. C.J. Stroud is nowhere to be seen. He's n- he's not even in the first round if you ask the drafters. <laughs> And now you're telling me that Richardson's gone all the way from the possible one or two pick down to the twentieth. Well, you know, who, who, do, who, who do we go to to, to find out? I mean, what you have to do is you have to realize there are thousands of people who have to write or say something on television or on the radio. They've got to say something, and they don't all want to say the same thing. So I think that's the critical factor in a lot of this. And then, of course, the NFL, the teams themselves, they must sit in their draft rooms and laugh and say, hey, you know what I told somebody today and he wrote it? And, oh, yeah, deliberate you know, misinformation. So much, yeah, so many smoke screens that go out. And uh, wouldn't you love to sit somewhere and, and be privy to all of those conversations? To know what they really think. Yeah. You know, there'll be plenty of articles where anonymous people tell you what they really think, but even those are probably plants as well. You, know, oh, yeah, yeah. you want the team you want the team to think that's behind you to think, we love this guy. We're going to pick this guy. And then it's a guy that you think they want so that they'll yeah. maybe offer you some sort of a trade. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no doubt about liars it. Liars poker all over the place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of liars. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we had a chance to talk to Nick Belmonte, who broadcasts on the Gator Games and does a lot of college baseball. So you're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. It's our distinct pleasure to have with us still the Stolen Base single-season record holder, for the University of Florida baseball team, Nick Belmonte. Welcome back to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe, Nick. Hey, Ronnie O. It's a pleasure to be on with you guys. Man, I tell you what, the Gators got swept up there at South Carolina, but they came back, beat North Florida. Are they back on the right track now? Well, I don't think they're ever on the wrong track. These things happen in the SEC. You know, you're playing a tough schedule like that. Now, I'm going to give you something that, that you got to take in consideration. Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, are, are in, uh, I think there's, in, in Florida. So those four teams all got swept within the last two weeks. So those are teams that are all ranked in the top, what, eight in the nation, and all four of the teams got swept within the last two weeks. So it's just part of when you go through the SEC, these things will happen to you. It's just one of those things that uh, you're facing good teams. They get caught hot at the right time. And look, the South Carolina team's for real. They got a great club. And uh, but I, I think this is the team that uh, should be good enough, obviously, to make it to the regional. They'll probably host the regional. And uh, my hopes, you know, is they get a, uh, an, an eight, you know, one through eight seed, so you, you could host all the way through super regionals because that gets you to the College World Series a lot, a lot easier if you get that. 
No doubt about it. Nick, one of the things I've observed is the inconsistent umpiring. You managed. <laughs> what did you tell your teams? Did you, If you knew a particular umpire, hey, guys, this guy likes a low strike zone or so forth, what would you tell your teams about that? Well, in the minor leagues, uh, we see the, the same umpiring crews a lot. But you didn't have to tell them. Like they, these players back when you're talking about minor leagues, they could see that on their own because you face the same umpires uh, plenty of times because the league only gets so many umpires per league. But here's what I would tell our guys. Uh, you know, when they would complain about balls and strikes and whatnot, I'd say, look, guys, you know, this is not the last call you're going to disagree with in your life. You just got to <laughs> play on and forget about it. Let the uh, let me argue it. Don't, you, you know, you worry about it. We don't need to get you tossed out of a baseball game over a ball strike call. Now, obviously, back in those days, we didn't have pitch clocks. You know, we didn't have to worry about things like they're doing now, which is, uh, you know, changing the game. Look, in major leagues, it's it's a different game because the bases are no longer 90 feet. You know, they made the bases bigger. And, um, you know, instead of developing pro players and make it teach them how to steal bases, they just made it easier for them to steal bases. So, you know, everybody gets a participation trophy. <laughs> we're talking. So we're talking with Nick Belmonte, longtime Gator baseball uh, broadcaster. Uh, Thirty-five years now, Nick. It's Coach Joe here. How you doing, man? Yeah. Hey, Coach. Uh, yeah, I, I want to say it's my thirty-six. I started in '88, so and that was the year that uh, Joe Arnold took the club uh, to their first College World Series, and it was a Tallahassee regional, and if. If I if I told you who they had to beat to get in there, you, everybody always gets that wrong because they always they think well they must have had to beat Florida State. Well, I don't I'm not sure if we even played Florida State in that regional. Uh, we ended up having to beat Stetson to get there, believe it or not. Wow! Florida, Florida State got upset by Stetson, and then that the only the last two standing were Stetson and the Gators. Oh, amazing stuff! Now you get to do it in a palatial new ballpark. Now I guess it's a little bit different than it used to be, huh? Oh, yeah, the old ballpark was ready to be antiquated. And and thank goodness for the football program because, you know, they needed that space uh, for their new building and everything. And it was a perfect uh, storm to have, okay, you know, so we need to put baseball somewhere and putting them out by the softball complex is so perfect. Uh, If you haven't been there, you're listening that you need to have a trip out there to see the Gators play in that beautiful new stadium. You know, for me, the press box is great. You know, everything is uh, perfect. They have a club level for the fans, which includes your food when you go up there. Um, it's And then the berms, the, you know, the, the kids love the berms. And the parents, you know, they make it almost like a picnic out there. And it's just, just so much fun for everybody. And the big thing is, there's there's shade there's covering over the over the the fans so that was something they were crying for all those years yeah that berm looks great and it's probably better to have it off on the sidelines than in left field right <laughs> <laughs> well, well they have one in left field believe it or not well, and, but um, is it in play it, like the old the old hill well, was? well oh you're not the hill yeah. oh i see what you're saying yeah well when i played left field yeah we had the hill in left field <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and and it was it was and the reason why we had it, people don't realize well, why there was a, a hill in left field at, at the old perry field it was because um the rotc building plumbing 
erosion was causing the ground to come up, and that's that's what actually <laughs> that's actually what caused it. And and the famous game, the famous game in 1977 when George Steinbrenner brought the Yankees over to play us, and and I remember going out to left field and coming off the field from the Yankees was their left fielder, Roy White, who was, you know, oh, great yeah. major yeah. league player. And he, and he said, Hey, Hey, how do you play that thing? <laughs> <laughs> and it was such an advantage for us, uh, knowing how to play it because the key to that is when you're going back on a fly ball over your head and you, and you had to go up the hill, you had to, uh, you had to change your, your footsteps. You had to take short, choppy steps all of a sudden because if you took your normal steps, you would face plant like all the other teams' outfielders always did. <laughs> so, but I told Roy White I didn't want him to break a leg playing uh, playing us in the thing. So, um, but 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 you know we lost that game. I think it was ten to nine was the final score. Wow. We had an eight to five lead going into the ninth inning. And, uh, you know, but they played all their good guys. I mean, Reggie Jackson was in right and Mickey Rivers in center and Roy White in left and Nettles, who hit the big home run for them that beat us. Uh, he was at third, Chambliss at first. I mean, it was a great team. And they had a rookie named Willie Randolph at second base. I don't know whatever happened. Oh, yeah. yeah he was yeah. pretty good, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nick, you kind of glossed over the new ballpark, the um, Nick Belmonte broadcast booth. <laughs> Your sister they built did it that just for you, you, right? And you didn't even know about it, right? Yeah, that was a surprise. And, and uh, you know, having a great sister like that, and, and she's a big gator, uh, you know. And, and I tell tell the story how you know she's a survivor of leukemia. She had a uh, bone marrow transplant, and when she was in the hospital out in California, I would have to take her around the hall just to get her some exercise, and she. She would say, I don't want to do it. Well, I would play the Gator fight song on my on my phone, on on the, the band version of it that you can download, and that would get her going. And we'd go around the hallway, and the people would be looking out of their because they would hear a band playing as they look out, and and there we were going around the hallway with the Gator fight song, the band playing stuff, and yeah, it was quite it was quite a memory. Uh, but yeah, she she uh, she did that for me, so. God, God love her. Oh, great sister. Nick, how much will Brandon Neely's presence help the Gators this week, and did it have any impact at South Carolina, him not being there? Well, you look at the scores and, and when they scored um, most of their, their stuff, uh, it wasn't in the Neely part of the game. Um, so you could look back at it and go, it didn't have as big an effect. Uh, because the last the last two losses um, were, I believe they were they scored fairly early, and and the back end of the bullpen actually did okay. The the one that got away was like in the sixth inning of the first game, and then they they just ended up you know scoring a ton of runs. Well, you're not going to bring in Neely in the first game behind, so he wouldn't have factored in the first game. So for me, looking at the you know how it all shit shook out. As far as when South Carolina scored, um, I, it, I don't think it really affected that weekend. Now, you know, let's just say if the Gators lost all three in the ninth inning, uh, you know, where they were ahead, then then I'd say yeah, it did factor in. But the way the way it all worked last weekend, uh, it didn't it didn't factor in. And of course, you know, having him back is always going to be uh, a lot better. You know, we're. Sully wants to get this to where, like, in 2000. 
17, and, and I was doing the comparison. I'm going to talk about this tomorrow night on the air. Uh, you know, the Gator team back in 2017, College World Series winners, only hit 259. Um, they they had 380 runs scored. Well, the Gators right now have 370, 377 runs scored. Um, they had 53 home runs, the College World Series team. We blew by that like a month ago. You know, so, <laughs> so you know, it's, it, 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 um, as far as offensively, this team's way better than that team. Now, that team defended better. They, they had a 981 fielding percentage, which is incredible. I think it led the nation. Uh, and, uh, you know, they had Fayeto and, and Coar and Singer, you know, in the rotation. But the guy at the end is Michael Byrne, where he could come in and give you two to three innings. He averaged oh, yeah. two innings every, every game, he, you know, as, as a closer. So, you know, that, that's what, we're, you know, the Gators are trying to get out of Neely uh, from here on out. You know, it's like, you know, multiple inning stuff. Nick, we've got about a minute and a half left. Um, stolen bases. If you were a college manager, would you emphasize stolen bases more or has the game just changed that much? Well, it all, <laughs> it all depends, obviously, of your club and what you got. I mean, in the case of the Gators, they, you know, they're on track to break like the home run record. So it's a different scenario. You, you get a little gunshot at steel when you know the guy standing at the plate could hit a two run homer. Uh, and, and that could happen for, let, let's face it, you know, the Gators have right now um, four guys or three guys with double digit home runs and two more on the verge of that by the end of the weekend. So you, you may have, you know, five guys. So, um, if your club is not a, a club that, that hits for power like the Gators, then absolutely yes. But it, it's you know team to team on something like that, and you know I, I you know loving that part of the game being aggressive. I think it changes you know the mindset of the pitcher and where he diverts his attention, and you know they can teams can make mistakes because you, you're a team that runs the bases. But then it all get is on your personnel from you know one to nine, how you want to do it. So, right. So that's how I would do it. If I had a team that didn't have power, absolutely. Nick, we certainly enjoy you on the broadcast. I love when you and Cardoza are on there together and <laughs> cutting up and having fun. And uh, we certainly appreciate your time here. And uh, I'll tell Dave Ricketts hello if I see him first. Dr. D. That's his nickname. <laughs> I just saw Dr. D. honored the 70s club uh, teams uh, last week in Gaines, uh, two weeks ago in Gainesville during the Georgia series which was was great fun seeing all those guys. Nick, thank you so much. Appreciate My your time. My pleasure. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate great it. Great guys. All Thanks, right. Coach Ronnie. Take the great care. Nick Belmonte. And we're right back into the Ozone, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors and Foshi Jewelers. And we're back with the guys, Ronnie O and Coach Joe. All right. Intrigued from the draft. Bryce Young went first to the Panthers. The Texans took C.J. Stroud as expected now the Texans have traded up into the third spot with Arizona, and they took Will Anderson Jr. So now on the clock are the Colts, and the Colts want a quarterback. Now, is it Will Levis? Could it be Anthony Richardson? Or could it be somebody else? Wow. You know, trying to, to digest it all. Yes, the Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud was Houston's pick, but their number two pick, the one that they already had, you knew they were going to go for a quarterback. C.J. Stroud had just gotten all sorts of bad press in the last couple of weeks because the the uh, cognitive test that he took that uh, deals with uh, the ability to comprehend 
things uh, he did very poorly on. And, and scouts apparently take that real seriously. I think that's overthinking. I mean, when you see what he's done on the field, he can process information. He can react to it. I mean, what he did against Georgia, I mean, that was the best college defense this year, I think. And he did extremely well with them and came within a hair of beating Georgia. He was amazing in that game. If he wasn't a high draft uh, prospect before, he was after that game. That was really one of the great games uh, a quarterback could have played at a perfect time, too, uh, against the best team around in the biggest game. So I think that showed a lot to to these scouts. And, And obviously these guys have been looked at a lot over the last few months. In, with their pro days and uh, and the camps and so forth, so there there's plenty to to look at and to to judge beyond this one test, which I'm not sure exactly what's on it, but it, it was curious because that came out and everybody talked about his stock falling. Now we know that that's not true because uh, he's the second pick in the draft. So yeah, exactly. and, and and Bryce Young was I think always going to be the first quarterback taken because to me i think he's the best i know a lot was made i don't know why and again this might be that misinformation sort of thing or were they vaping and they put out a smoke screen is that what we saw something like that where everybody's talking about oh he's not big enough and he's going to get hurt you know that's sort of junk you know we're watching him play now for several years he's absolutely reminds me of patrick mahomes uh you know the way he can escape pressure but keep his eyes downfield and find receivers. And he's, he's got that ability to play well in the, in the clutch, too. And no matter how much the pressure is on, uh, he, he, he comes through. You know why Alabama lost two games? Be, because they lost on the last play of both games when he's on the sidelines with, uh, you know, helpless yeah, to do exactly. anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt he's, about he's it. He's just that good. You know, he's the first ever— Alabama player to be picked first overall. Now, that that does exclude Joe Namath, who was the first pick in the AFL draft. They drafted in November of 1964 for the 65 season to try to get one up on the NFL, and uh, they did take Namath first there. But Bryce Young is the first Alabama player to be taken in the NFL draft overall. You know, I had a birthday yesterday, and I looked this up. Who are some sports guys – that had the same birthday. And Aaron Judge, Hack Wilson. In 1930, Hack Wilson had a tremendous year, 191 RBIs, 56 home runs, which stood as the National League record forever. And he was 5 feet 6 inches tall, weighed 230 pounds, and wore a size 5.5 shoe. (laughs) (laughs) Man, and Virgil Trucks, who pitched two no-hitters, and – my buddy Lou Lanzino told me that he was a pitching coach on the 1960 Pirates that beat the Yankees. The Pirates got outscored something like 56 to 20, and it just did my heart so good because I'm a Red Sox fan, and we weren't any good back then. So I, I was just reduced to rooting against the Yankees because my team was no good. And then – uh, Amos Otis, you remember him with the Kansas City Royals? I, yeah. And I, then Mike Scott in 1986. Man, he was the best guy going. They accused him of cheating, scuffing the ball, and I don't know what happened, but he wasn't the same after that. Wow. His his uh, ball just dove. like it, it was unhittable in 1986. 
He oh, really he was. was unstoppable. He was unbelievable. Well, the Colts still haven't made a pick yet, Coach Joe. Will I, Levis, I'm thinking. Uh, that's a, probably a likelihood. We know they're going to pick a quarterback. We know that Levis is was one of the top prospects. You know, Anthony Richardson was one of the top prospects, and we know the, the two of them are already off the board: Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. So, uh, uh, which one is it going to be Levis? Going to be Anthony Richardson? Is there uh, some other quarterback that might sneak in there that we've forgotten about? <laughs> now, if you could take a pay cut down to a few million a year. And you were the general manager of the Colts. Which one would you want? Would you want Levis? Would you want Hendon Hooker? I mean, that's oh, too yeah. high for Hooker. I, I think I almost Hooker forgot might about Hendon be, Hooker. He might be available in the second round because of his injury. Well, here's the thing: both Richardson and Hendon Hooker. You probably need a year or two to. to they, you know, uh, Hooker needs more development, and Anthony Richardson needs more experience. Uh, Levis might be the farthest along. So if the Colts need somebody they can put in this year, they, they probably go with Levis. If they want a quarterback to develop a little bit, like we talked about with Seattle, then Richardson's a better bet. And and Hooker, he, he, you know he's good, but there's questions about how good he he actually would be. You know, is he is he one of those quarterbacks that thrived under the tutelage of Josh Heupel? Uh but uh, have the Colts made their pick so we can answer this question? Anthony Richardson. Yeah. Yeah, how about that? Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what's worth the wait. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what. You, you know what is neat? All right, the Gators, the highest Gator chosen in the NFL draft was in 1945. Paul Duhart was a running back. He was taken second overall. Steve Spurrier, Gerard Warren, and Wes Chandler all went third. So that – is one of the highest picks ever for a Florida Gator. Number four pick to the Colts, who uh, recently had Jacoby Brissett as their starting quarterback a That's couple right. of seasons ago. That's right. <laughs> Do they still have Colt McCoy? Is, he on, is that where he is now? He has moved around so much. I know. <laughs> uh, but I think you're right. I think he was with them last year. As they were searching for a quarterback. You know, there was a lot of talk that the Colts really liked Anthony Richardson. And uh, – he, he, he can thrive there. It's really about, and I was talking to some people about this this week. There, there's some people who are not Gator fans who obviously say, oh, no, he's not any good at all. But, you know, reasonable people and Gator fans uh, understand <laughs> <laughs> that this is a, this is a kid. He, 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 you know, one thing about Richardson, I, we could talk all day about his arm, which is a, a, incredible. Best I've ever seen, Ronnie, for real. But it's he's a very smart kid. And he has a terrific work ethic, and he he soaks up knowledge. So I think he's going to have a bright future, and I can understand why scouts are really excited about him. He does have to get in the right situation, though. If the Colts are dysfunctional, you know that won't be good for him. So hopefully he'll get the right situation, the right opportunity to learn properly and to be taught properly. He is right now because of lack of experience that leads to some of the mistakes that he makes. Yeah, no doubt about that. And people forget he's only 20 years old. He's very young. Yeah. And he's he's only started one year. Um, you know, and it, it was pretty tough to throw him in there like they did, but they didn't have any choice. And I kept wondering, last year he seemed reluctant to run at times. And I wondered if that was by design because the Gators didn't have anybody behind him that they felt comfortable with, or was it him shying away from the contact? No, I, I I bet that he was uh, discouraged from running. 
and uh, so if if that's drilled into you enough, you know, you you stop doing that, and uh, that's probably in the long run the best thing for him because what does a young quarterback who can run do? They make their first look. If it's not there, they take off running. That's right, and and that's not the way a quarterback needs to play. They have to be able to hang in the pocket. And uh, it was one of the things that Joe Burrow was always good at. It's one of the things that Bryce Young is really good at and why I think they're going to be successful is to hang in the pocket, keep your eyes downfield, run if you have to, know that you can run. But uh, in the NFL, if you if you run first and throw later, you're, it's not a long-term solution, you know? No doubt about it. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. And we come back, we might have a $30 gift card. Have you take $30 off your tab? $30 discount. Yeah, at the Ale House. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hi, this is former NFL player and former Gator Trace Armstrong. I'm with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. It is time to celebrate because we're back in the Ozone. Brought to you by Allied Scrub Processors and Foshi Jewelers. It's Ronnie O and Coach Joe. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back here celebrating Anthony Richardson going fourth overall to the Colts. Now. Way to go, AR. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, here's the deal. I know you're hungry. I know you're thirsty. We can send you out to the Ale House. You can go eat. Take $30 off your tab. $30. How about that? All right. All you got to do, if you haven't won in the last six months, and we're keeping records, so don't try to fudge, the number is 682-1430. That's 682-1430. And Coach Joe came up with this. One Florida college team has had a player selected in every NFL draft since 1963. 1963, 60 years ago, right, Coach Joe? Yes, exactly 60 years ago. <laughs> Is it Florida, FSU, or Miami? Give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. Which Florida college team has had a player selected in every NFL draft since 1963? And we got a caller It's already hungry and thirsty, Coach Joe. How about that? Somebody knew that one. <clears throat> yeah, nice. I'm yeah. telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you, and you had that hermetically sealed <laughs> off stage in the soundproof booth too, didn't you? Oh yeah, yeah. We were just we 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 just literally wrote the question. I think during the break. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, who we got with us? This is Bronson. Bronson, how you doing today? I'm doing all right. I just to make a good guess. All right, which team do you think it is? I'm hoping it's University of Florida Gators. You're exactly right. That's a good job, Bronson. You called a couple weeks ago and missed out. So uh, we're... Uh, I did, and I knew the answer. Right after I said the wrong one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll get I'm, next time. That's what you do. You hang in there. You don't let the critics drag you down, man. You come back and you, you fight. You fight on another day. We're proud of you, man. Yeah. And and you know the streak continues. Anthony Richardson of the Gators just got picked as the number four pick in the draft. So that for a long time the Gators had a first round. Uh, yeah, that's a streak true. going. Yeah. They don't have that streak going. Uh, well, it, it's stopped a couple of years ago, but now it's started again. Uh, but uh, again, it's, every draft since 1963, including this one, the Gators have had at least one player picked. Yeah, uh, that's amazing that that continues through the probation era and all that. That's a that's an impressive. And you know there. what? I looked it up. It goes even further back than that. I, I looked up back to 1960. 
and the Gators had people picked 60, 61, and 62 as well. Wow. And it's not just the Florida schools. It's very rare nationwide, Bronson. Uh, it, there are only five schools uh, that have, have are like the Gators. The Gators and four other schools that have had at least one player picked in every draft since 1963. You have any idea who the other wow. four are? Uh, I'd probably guess uh, USC, Michigan, Ohio State, um, and either Notre Dame or Alabama. You got two right, USC and Michigan. The other two are okay. Michigan State and Nebraska. Michigan State, Michigan I wouldn't State. have gotten that. Wow. Yeah, yeah, Michigan State. Yeah, they always seem to have a couple good players, and even during they the did. lean years. Nebraska, I thought lately they hadn't done a whole lot, but but apparently they still managed to get a player to draft wow. it in every draft since 1963. Uh, good job. You know your draft real well. We're yeah, waiting on does. Seattle's pick. Has it come in yet? Yeah, they picked Devin Withers, Witherspoon, the uh, cornerback. Oh, so um, Carter's honestly, still on I didn't even know the draft was going on right now. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always fun this this year this uh, this Thursday night every year when the first round of the draft starts yeah. at the same time as the show. But especially this year with Anthony Richardson, that's exciting, isn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and and a great guy too, it seems. Yeah, I think he is. Great Bron- representative of Florida. Bronson, if you'll hang on the line, Tim will get your information. And we will send that out to the Ale House tonight. You can go as early as tomorrow, and they will take $30 off your tab when you go eat out there. Have you ever been to the Ale House? I have, and I love it. Oh, yeah. What do, what do you get when you go? Uh, if it's prime rib night, I get the prime rib. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, they, they, try, they have that on, the week, on Sundays, up. too, now. Yeah. yeah. And then the fish and chips. I like the fish and chips. Oh, man. Yeah, they have good food out there. It's really good. You know, when you yeah. go to a sports bar, you don't expect good food, but they have a lot of things on the menu that are outstanding. Right. Yeah, I like it. So that's that's why I was quick on the uh, trigger dialing in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I talked to Jorge earlier today. This is the general manager over there, and, and they're definitely covering the draft uh, uh, there tonight. So uh, if, if you – now – you're you're it's be tomorrow before you can start uh, with your gift card but if if you if you right. want to watch everybody else out there if you want to go see the draft 5650 South Florida Avenue they they've got it over there on their 40 strategically located oh, TV yeah. so oh yeah Bronson hang on the line we'll get your information and um we'll send it out there tonight yes sir Thank all you. right congratulations way to go Bronson all right Bronson as Joe said he called in last week and I think he knew the answer yeah. and he just said the wrong thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know that, that that's the thing. Uh it, sometimes that'll happen, you know, but uh, y- you never let that get you down. That's uh, like the the Lightning. They had a tough couple of losses, but they're hanging in there tonight trying to come back and and, uh, and take it to game 6. They need to win in Toronto tonight. Uh but never give up, folks. That's what we learn in sports if nothing else. And uh y- you know, Ronnie, uh I thought maybe that uh, Carter would be the fifth pick because there's already two Georgia players off the board, and, and uh, or there would have been two Georgia players off the board out of out of the first five picks, but uh, that didn't happen because uh, because we were thinking Jalen Carter would go pretty high, and now we're up to pick number six. The Lions are on the board, and we're waiting to see if you think they'll they'll pick him. I don't know. I mean, it's. There's there's no telling. You know, speaking of sticking with it, there was a guy that came up with the Pirates yesterday, Andrew Jerome Maggie. He has been in the minor leagues 
since uh, he's 33 years old. He came up, and yesterday was his first major league at bat. He struck out, but, you know, the guy has hung in there. for I think he's been like – he was a 47th-round pick in the 2008 Major League Baseball draft. How about that? That's a great story. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> you know, everybody's rooting for him. And he just well, – it's one of those things, you know. He stuck around, and, and he's finally getting his chance. Uh, that's, that's always great to see, you know, because there's no guarantee. You know, uh, Nick Belmonte uh, mentioned participation trophies. Oh, yeah. They don't give those in Major League Baseball, that's for sure. No, they don't. I remember Maury Wills spent a long time – in the minor leagues, and he was like 30 years old when he came up. And then um, Wade Boggs was another one. He had, I think, he won a couple of minor league batting titles, and the Red Sox wouldn't bring him up because he didn't have power. Boy, were they wrong in not doing that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. If you know how to hit, you know how to hit. You know. Oh yeah. He'd always be a place for that. Uh, you know, that was, I guess, before Moneyball, and they started really paying close attention to a batter's ability to get on base. And you know things evolve. I guess that was a, there was a more emphasis on power back uh, in in the days of Wade Boggs and those guys. You know, but uh, the uh, then you had some teams that knew how to steal bases. You mentioned Amos Otis, the Kansas City Royals back then, then the St. Louis Cardinals under Whitey Herzog. They ran like crazy. What is interesting about what Nick said earlier was the fact that one of those rule changes, the bases being slightly bigger, has made base stealing easier. That and limiting the pitcher's number of times he can throw over. So now base stealing is now back where it disappeared virtually from from uh, the leagues before. Now it's now it's back in a big part of the strategy. Well, of the base paths are effectively eighty nine feet now. Yeah. Because you've got eighteen inch bases, so that takes a foot off. Yeah. At exactly. either end. Yeah, and that makes all the difference. Plus, plus there's more surface area for the. For the uh, runner to slide and, and reach and still manage to get a, a piece of the yeah. base and get away from the tag, and it's so always so close uh, on these throws uh, to second especially, but to the other bases as well. So that makes an incredible amount of difference. Stolen bases are way up. They, they've got to be a part of your offense now, or you're, you're going to fall behind. Yeah, no doubt. On this date in 1983, Nolan Ryan became the most prolific strikeout pitcher in Major League history, passing Walter Johnson. He would go on to strike out 5,714 Major League batters in his 27-year Major League Baseball career. Second is Randy Johnson, and he's 839 behind him. I mean, isn't that amazing? Yeah, those are records that that may never be approached anymore because nobody lasts that long or or is able to throw as many strikeouts uh, as Nolan Ryan. He had such a a great motion. He was so efficient, and he he had that farm strength, you know? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, throwing those bales of hay around. He he could throw forever. (laughs) Yeah, and on this date in 1956, undefeated world heavyweight champion Rocky Marciano retired from the ring. He was 49-0 with 43 knockouts, one of the greatest boxers in history. He died August 31st, 1969, in a plane crash in Iowa, one day before his birthday. And, um, you know, there was Rogers Hornsby. Would Today is his birthday. He died in 1963. But how about this, Coach Joe? In 1922, Rogers Hornsby hit 401 
with 40 home runs. Oh. What would they have to pay him today? <laughs> that, yeah. A 4,400 guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. His, Speaking of something that you won't likely see anytime soon. His 358 lifetime batting average is the third highest. He had two triple crowns, and uh, Ty Cobb is the highest. They've lowered him down to 366. And then some guy named Oscar Charleston, never heard of him before, but he's at 364. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah, you know, the, the averages, uh, we, always, we always talk about uh, guys who could hit for, you know, like Babe Ruth or, or Lou Gehrig and so, stuff like that. The averages around uh, the major leagues were much higher back then. And some of it was the, the way pitchers were used. Uh, but uh, it's, it, it's impressive stuff, man, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. You know, I saw an interesting stat. They said one year Lou Gehrig, I think, had 174 RBIs, and it was the year that Babe Ruth hit 60 home runs batting in front of him. <laughs> so that meant that 60 times he came up with nobody on base. So how many would he have had? I think he's second all time. I think he had 184 one year was the highest that he ever had. But that's pretty amazing. Of course, in those Yankee lineups, though, usually people on base for him. Oh so. yeah, yeah. Garrick had a great, uh, great clutch hitting gene. He he had a bunch of grand slams too. He knew how to hit when people yeah, were on he base. He did. No doubt. Well, yeah, we'll be back absolutely. next week, and uh, the Clarkster may be back next week. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone.